Hey everybody, welcome to the live chat, Steven Jensen here. Hope y'all can uh, see and hear me alright. And uh, yeah, we're just going to kind of be chilling. I got the chat pulled up right here uh, on screen for you. So if y'all have questions or anything you want to talk about before I talk about AEW Dynamite, feel free to let me know. I see Jordan Lasseter in here. <laughs> it says, wow, really, Steven? I think you said that uh, right as I was starting the, the countdown. And sorry about that, y'all. I know some of you hate that, like, six minutes, but... The reason I do that is two reasons. One, sometimes it takes a second for like me to get fully ready because I'm usually finishing something like work-related before I start the live chat. So I'm just like wrapping that up and grabbing some water and, you know, and it gives everybody kind of a, a second to know that I'm live and, you know, kind of trickle in. So I don't I, I do not do that countdown thing as like, a, uh, as like a punishment. It's more like it just takes a few minutes to kind of get going and get, you know, the, the system set up and all my, get the camera right and the mic right and all that stuff. I do that stuff off camera while the countdown is rolling. So, um, I, I appreciate everyone being here today. It's going to be a really chill chat. I don't know how long we'll go today. Um, but it just kind of depends on how active the chat is. Uh, Jordan Lasseter also says, I'll be here. I'm just as shocked that not only did Sting take a bump, but we are getting a death match on mainstream pay-per-view. Yeah, I am, uh, I've marked out big to see Sting take that bump. I know there's plenty of people that think it's a really bad idea for Sting to wrestle. I understand their concerns. Um, oh, Jordan says he was referring to the thumbnail. Um, okay, gotcha. Yeah, the th I had the, the picture of Sting. I tried to find a better one of him getting powerbombed, but there just wasn't, like, a high-quality enough screenshot I could get. But, uh... Um, Red Samurai Ninja says, hello, today's my birthday. Happy birthday, Red Samurai Ninja. Welcome back to the chat. Happy birthday. I hope you have a good one. And I'm a huge Power Rangers fan from like the, mid, the early to mid 90s. Um, so I've actually, for your birthday, for your birthday only, let me, let me grab something real quick. All right. So Red Samurai Ninja, just, just in, just for your birthday, I'll whip out my green, or my green, he was also the green ranger, my white ranger sword. Huh, yeah, still works. You can still hear it. Still got the, uh, pretty cool, right? Um, so yeah, I, uh, definitely, definitely can, uh, definitely can sympathize with being a, uh, a Power Rangers fan. I've got a signed Green Ranger Funko Pop in my office too. So happy, happy birthday to Red Samurai Ninja. Uh, Kogan Spory is back in the chat. Welcome back, Kogan. Good to see you, man. Good to see everybody here today. And uh, just kind of get back to what you were saying, Jordan, about Sting. Uh, like, I know there's plenty of people that don't want to see Sting out there taking bumps. I, I, I understand the concern. But my thing is... And I get Sting's age. Like, I get he's older. I understand that aspect of it, too. But if guys like Daniel Bryan and Edge and Christian and many others... I mean, Kurt Angle. Look at Kurt Angle. That guy's neck was, like, in ridiculously bad shape uh, for, like, most of his pro wrestling career. And, you know, there's there's plenty of wrestlers who have, like... Um, what do they call it? This Like, the spinal stenosis. Like, I'm pretty sure Sheamus has it. Kurt Angle definitely has it. Like... There, you know, so it's one of those things where, like, I don't know if Sting is necessarily a bigger risk 
than these other people. The only thing that's more risky with him is potentially because of his age. But he hasn't wrestled in the ring for like, it's been like five or six years since that match with Seth Rollins. And the medicine is so much better now that like, you know, I know people have their varying opinions of like modern medicine and stuff, but I mean, for all I, for all I know, Sting went out and he got like the best stem cell therapy possible. He's on human growth hormone, whatever. And he's his body might be recovered. I mean, so I, I'm not going to be the one to sit here and like try to take some moral high ground and be like, Sting is not allowed to wrestle. Like, I don't approve Sting wrestling. Like, it's his decision. You know, and if something happens to him, I'm going to feel really, really, really bad about it. Absolutely. But, you know, I just, I just, I, maybe I'm maybe being optimistic about it, but I, I think it's great that he's going to go out there, at least have, try to try to have a couple more matches and go out on a high note and put over some new talent. Because if this all eventually leads to him losing to Darby Allen, like in his last match, it's all worth it, I think, you know? Isa, what's up, Isa? Says, uh, I got Roman three years ago today. Happy gotcha day to my puppy. Oh, Roman. I love little Roman. I hope you guys are having a great day, you and Roman. And anyone who uh, sees that in the chat, NYC Demon Diva, she's been doing some big stuff. Uh, been doing stuff with Wrestling uh, Wrestling Inc. She's been doing, uh, I saw her, her do a uh, recent. Uh, prediction, uh, I think it was from Elimination Chamber with Sean Ross Sapp over at Fightful. Uh, you know, obviously I'm a big fan of Fightful.com. Do uh, do a lot of stuff over there with them. So love seeing Issa getting more and more involved. And she's beautiful, and her dog is the coolest. So love both y'all. Jordan Lasseter says the only PR series I followed was Samurai. Oh, see, <clears throat> I I was out of it by then. Um, it's I was basically like the original, uh, it was like the original, uh, series or whatever, you know, basically I was a massive fan from the first episode to right around, probably right around a little after the first movie. Cause that's when they started kind of replacing characters and some of my favorite, you know, Power Rangers were like new people now and stuff like that. And, and then of course, like my interests just changed and gravitated towards some other stuff. That was probably around the time like Pokemon blew up or something. And then, you know, I had to catch all the Pokemon. I had to get every Pokemon card. Like until, until I got all 150 Pokemon cards, I could not sleep at night and I eventually accomplished it. And then I sold most of them in exchange for Nintendo 64 games when I was younger a lot of those cards I wish I still had because some of them have really, really increased in value. I still have some of the original holograms that I think are still pretty valuable, but I got I used to have literally all of them. Demon Diva with the heart in the chat. Yeah, y'all are great. Everyone show some love to NYC Demon Diva, aka Issa. She's got an OnlyFans page too, if y'all want to check that out. Um Red Samurai Ninja says, Wow, I've my Oh, I think you're saying you have your uh, your saber just like that, dude. Th- so great story about that saber that I just that uh, sword that I just showed. I was in a store. It's like a local place uh, near me uh, in Atlanta, and I was just there like looking for. It's a place that has video games and action figures and that kind of stuff. And I was in there looking for wrestling figures and. Just kind of seeing what they had. I needed some like new uh, stuff. I, I needed like a new cable. I have like a, I sell my original Sega Genesis and stuff. And every now and then I need to like replace the power cables for like these old systems. So I'm walking around in this place, and my buddy, 
points out that that White Ranger sword was there was a big Harley Quinn mannequin display in this in this store and Harley Quinn for whatever reason had that sword like in her holster on the display and my buddy pointed it out and I was like dude I've been looking for one of these in like good condition and they're they're hard to find like the ones that actually still work and everything and still look good and like all the decals and stuff are still on them and I I uh I asked uh, someone working in there I'm like hey is that sword for sale and the first person I talked to was like, oh, no, like, that's been on display forever. Like, that's just part of our display. And another employee overheard that conversation and was like, well, hold on. I mean, like, the owner's here today. I can go ask, like, just just to see. And I was like, yeah, if you don't, if you wouldn't mind. So they come back and we go on eBay and we're looking at the prices of these things. And they were going for well over $100, like, in good condition on eBay. And... For whatever reason, the dude was cool with selling it to me for 40 bucks. And I was like, you got a deal. Like, you sell this to me for 40 bucks, like, I'll give you 40 bucks right now. Because it, it, it was easily worth 100 Um, So, I got really, really lucky there. And uh, it's got a good home. It's 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 uh, mounted up on uh, up on my wall next to some of my autograph 8x10s and stuff. Oh, uh, let's see what else we got. Uh, Red Samurai Ninja... Oh, Saba Sword. That's what it was called. That's right. The White Ranger Sword. I forgot. I need the Green Ranger Dagger. That's that's like my next. I need a good condition Green Ranger Dagger that I can display on the same wall as that White Ranger Sword. So if anybody happens to have one that is in good condition and they want to sell it to me, please let me know. Kogan says, I vaguely remember Power Rangers as a kid. Haven't watched any of that in years. Well, it's, it's it's hard to watch now, especially if you know what they were doing. Because I didn't know until I was older that the American Power Ranger series that we were watching was actually a Japanese... Like, it was the same show, but it was like a Japanese show. And they just remade it in the U.S. with U.S. actors, but used like all the original Japanese stock footage... So that's why if you like pay attention now and you see a lot of like the villains talking, like Rita for instance when she's talking, a lot of the, a lot of the time like you can easily tell that her mouth isn't matching the words that she's saying and it's because they're literally dubbing over original footage from uh you know that was originally from Asia. You know what I mean? So it's like it's kind of funny how they did that and as a kid I didn't even notice. And then uh and so watching it now like you know, it's very corny and it's very, um, it's very formulaic. I mean, every episode is going to be pretty much the same thing. It's, you know, something happens, they be, they, they get in some sort of confrontation with the bad guy, they wind up beating a whole bunch of Putty Patrol, um, which were basically the same thing as like the Foot Clan and Ninja Turtles, same kind of concept, and then the villain would grow into like you know the size of like buildings and then they would all get into their power sword and have a big battle and that was every episode and the power rangers always won as a kid though it didn't matter it was just like go go power rangers you know what i mean <laughs> so um yeah this is great this is this has been fun talking about this it's completely unrelated to wrestling although it's very similar i guess uh in some senses Red Samurai Ninja says, you mean it's Super Sentai? Yes, yes, that was what it was called originally, Super Sentai, that's right. 
Uh, I'll also mention is Red Power or sorry, Power Rangers were based on Japanese television. Dinosaur Sentai. I do not know how to say that last word. Uh, Zai Ranger. Um, but yeah, that's a. Uh, that was fun to talk about. If y'all have any more kind of questions about any old TV shows or you want to talk about Power Rangers or whatever, let me know. As always, Super Chats and donations are super appreciated. Um, the donation links are in the description. There are two different options for the donation. The top the top one is the preferred one, but if that doesn't work, there is a backup link right underneath. And the Super Chats can be sent right through, uh, right through YouTube. Any donation amount that you send or super chat amount uh, guarantees that your comment, statement, question is answered or read out right here on the air. And also keep in mind that I upload all the audio of these shows to my Fight Talk podcast feed, and they get a lot of listens over there. So it isn't just the people watching live now or people who catch the replays on YouTube. They're going to hear your statement or get or listen to your question being asked. It is also all of the audio listeners. I put out the uh, the audio the day after this. So it's always one day later on the audio. So keep that in mind. I'm going to jump into AEW Dynamite right now. And once again, those Super Chats and donations, it does not have to be AEW related. So if there's anything that has to do with <clears throat> professional football, mixed martial arts, any other wrestling promotion, anything at all, a super chatter donation will deter my attention away from whatever we're talking about, and I will make sure to address your question and uh, read your comments and all that stuff. So, as far as Dynamite last night, y'all, I thought this was a good show. Although I am pretty biased, I pretty much love every AEW show, <laughs> and there were definitely some things we're going to talk about. Um, we had actually mentioned uh, a minute ago, Jordan had brought up, uh, you know, Sting taking a bump, so we're going to definitely talk about that a little bit more. Opening match we had here, Hangman Page and Matt Hardy taking on the hybrid two, the team of Angelico and Jack Evans. Um, I mean, I thought this was all right for what it was. I think it was pretty clear, like, you know, they're kind of in this... I'd like to see more out of TH2, but I also, I'm not really mad about their spot because the tag team division is so ultra stacked. And... I'm going to be honest, and Helico to me is a little is a little off to me. Like I there's something that just doesn't click for for me with Helico. He's good in the ring, but I don't know if it's the the character or gimmick or I'm not sure exactly what I'm missing with Helico. I've always liked Jack Evans though. Like even all the way back to like his Ring of Honor days and all the stuff he used to do with Teddy Hart and and all that like. So I've always been a fan of uh, of Jack Evans and you know I, the the real story here, though, of course, is after the match because we find out that Hangman Page got Matt Hardy to sign a contract to wrestle him at, at a Revolution, and if Matt Hardy loses, then Hangman Page gets all of his earnings for the first quarter of this year, and the same will go if Hangman. That's basically the stipulation at this point is um, someone's going to get all of the other person's earnings for the first quarter of this year, so. You know, it's it's at least it adds some sort of stakes to the match. I mean, I thought it was pretty obvious we were, we were going to get this one on one match. It was clear that that's where it was heading to. And you know, either to AEW's credit or it might be kind of corny at this point. I'm not sure exactly how I even feel about it, but I like I like that they're trying to raise the stakes with this money aspect. But I feel like any and, and Jr. brings it up a lot during commentary. He'll talk about like the winner's purse and you know you don't get paid as much if you lose your match and that's like incentive and all that stuff so 
you know, it's it, I, I I understand that that used to be a big selling point for these matches, but I think at this point, like anybody who watches the show knows that isn't the truth. You know, like everybody knows that people are under contracts and you know what I mean? It's just, so it's like, on one hand, I, I appreciate it. I appreciate that extra layer, but on the other hand, it's almost like, oh, sorry. I didn't, Jordan Lassiter, I didn't mean to delete your message, buddy. That was, I clicked the wrong button. Um, and I, but I agree. Jordan Lassiter said something. It was hidden because it, it said, it had the word ass in there. Um, but yeah, I basically said in Helico does a weird ass dance. And like, that's, that's how I feel about it too. And once again, Jordan, I didn't mean to delete your chat. Um, <laughs> Issa says, I heard Sting signed a 14 year contract with AEW. That's, uh, I'm assuming that's a joke. I'm assuming that's a joke. Let's, uh, get confirmation that that's a joke. But, I mean, I'd be fine with him signing a 14 year contract if the idea is that he wrestles for like one year and, you know, he goes in there, he does his thing at Revolution, he maybe wrestles like, Cody one-on-one in a few months, you know, wrestles Darby Allen and loses to Darby. And like, that's Sting's last match. And then he's, you know, with AEW. Um, and then, you know, if he's going to stick, I, I'd love to see Sting stay with AEW as like a producer, um, even as like a manager on air talent. Like I think Sting still has a lot to contribute to the wrestling business and people, people kind of sleep on his TNA run, I think. Cause he, he had a way better run in TNA than I think people realize. If you go back and you watch a lot of his matches, he had, you know, basically between WCW ending and his WWE debut, he had a lot of really good stuff in, in TNA that I think it's really overlooked. Um, you know, there's just the times where he's out there, you know, wrestling in a t-shirt and you're kind of like, okay, he's probably not in very good shape if he's out there in a t-shirt. But outside of that, he had a lot of good stuff. Um... Let's see here. Oh, sorry. I got a message from, uh, or I saw a tweet from Jesse. Just got to take a look at this real quick. Oh, she's saying nice stuff about me on Twitter. Thank you, Jesse. If you're watching this, um, Kogan says in Helico was a guy I latched onto a lot when I came across Lucha Underground. I didn't know why he kind of slipped off my radar more. Yeah, he. I think a lot of people uh, became familiar with him because of Lucha Underground, and <clears throat> you know him and Jack Evans did good stuff in Lucha Underground. But you're right; they did kind of they're kind of under the radar. It's the Jack Evans thing is kind of wild to me because the way I saw it, at least back when I was you know watching him in Ring of Honor and even Wrestling Society X, I think he was a part of that. It was like I felt like Jack Evans was like a much bigger deal than I guess maybe he was, or maybe it's because of like what I like to watch. He did like the craziest flips and, you know, him and Teddy Hart were a lot of fun to watch, uh, you know, in the early two thousands. And I always felt like Jack Evans was going to get like, was going to be like a big star just, you know, just because he could do stuff that was at the time was just so innovative. Like no one was doing like, like reverse six thirties off of, you know, cages to the outside and stuff like he was uh super dangerous stuff but it was like it was no one else was doing it and i just kind of figured he'd always be a bigger deal um so it's kind of wild that like it's taken to tell now to see him on a, a true mainstream tv show um jordan lasseter says it's not deleted okay i i I uh, I don't I can't see it anymore, Jordan. But basically, Jordan agreed that like Angelico's does like that weird dance, and I agree. I think it, I think it's goofy. 
Dylan Ketchum says, hey, Steven, what's up? Dylan, what's up, bro? Actually, let me pull this, uh, let me pull this up so y'all can see the messages. We'll, uh, we'll do that for right now. And then I'll get back into AEW. Um, but Dylan, hope you're having a good day, man. Welcome back to the chat. Jordan Lasseter says, didn't Jack Evans create the 630 Centon? I don't know if he created it. He's the first person I ever saw do it, though, for sure. Um, you know, just the other day, just speaking of, you know, who invented moves and all that kind of stuff, uh, I was just, just randomly talking to someone the other day, and, and for a long time, I thought that I thought that Kevin Steen had invented the package pile driver because he's the first per- person I saw do it, and it was like, you know, years and years and years ago. And then I came to find out that Aja Kong actually invented the move, and I that. I had no clue. So, you know, Jack Evans doing the 630. He was the first person I saw do it. Don't know if he's the first person to ever do it, but he very well could be. And I also remember, like, when I was a kid, you know, I thought Billy Kidman invented the shooting star press because he's the first person I saw do it. And then, you know, years later, and I had seen Jushin Thunder Liger wrestle, but by the time I had started watching him wrestle, he wasn't using the move anymore. Um, and I and I eventually saw his botches where like you know he he would like land like on his you know almost on his neck but like scorpion himself you know legs overhead kind of stuff. Um, and Kidman's uh, shooting star press was real sketch. But then I started seeing guys like Paul London hitting it, and I was like, ooh, that's that's a different level shooting star press right there. But uh, but same kind of thing. So like I don't know if uh, Evans invented the 630 but i wouldn't be surprised but then again it it could you know who knows um let's see kogan says i still think the promos between sting and foley leading to lockdown 2009 were the best promos in tna history match wasn't that good but the build-up is what counted i actually just watched that match again the other day dude it might have been yesterday as a matter of fact um there's a service called pluto tv which is a free application and they have a bunch of just random wrestling channels, and one of them is a TNA wrestling channel, and they were showing that match yesterday, actually, uh, Foley and Sting. I agree with you. The match itself wasn't great. The finish wasn't really great either. Basically, Mick Foley takes a bump. Like, he basically jumps and takes a bump willingly, like, from the cage to the outside, because, so, he, so he wins the match, you know, because he, he hits the floor first, but he, like, the way he does it is he basically takes a big bump onto the ground. It's like, you know, it's, I mean, kind of clever because it's Mick Foley, but it was also at a time when I didn't really have interest in seeing Mick Foley wrestling anymore. It was it was getting to a point where, like, you know, see, like, the thing with Sting is he's taking a lot of time off. If he's, if he's healthy and he can move around and it doesn't look like he's out there hurting, that's different than, like, Towards the end of McFoley's career, you know, he it, he it looked like he was having a hard time just standing. Like, you know, he'd be leaning to one side. He could tell his hip was screwed up. Um, he just looked like he was in constant pain, and like, and that's the kind of stuff I don't want to see. Like, if Sting was out there and he was and he was moving around like when he wrestled Seth Rollins, where it's like he looks like he's about to fall over and stuff, I don't want to see that. But if he's healthy and he's healed then I'm okay with it. You know, that that's kind of how I stand on it. That's how I felt about Mick Foley. And that's how I felt about Ric Flair. That's how I felt about quite a few people. Um, it happens on the indies every now and then too, where somebody, you know, starts popping up on the indies and it's kind of like, like for instance, you know, Dan Severn, who I'm, I'm a huge fan of, he wrestles on the indies still sometimes. And I think it's cool because Dan Severn's like just one of the most badass people ever. But it's also like, 
you know, when you look at him move around the way that he does, it's it's a little concerning, you know. What else do we have? Richard Thomas. Oh, sorry. First, Tim Traver says, hi, everybody. Hi, Tim. Welcome back to the chat. Hope you're having a great day. Uh, same to you, Richard Thomas. He says, good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, Richard. Uh, good afternoon, good morning, good evening, depending on wherever you're uh, you're watching and listening from. But uh, Richard, welcome back to the chat. Jordan Lasseter says, I forgot to say, I'm officially a fan of uh, Maki Ito. Yeah, dude, people are uh, really marking out over her right now. So uh, Jordan says <laughs> that uh, her and Yuka are basically anime characters come to life. And Richard says, Stephen, what did you think of the Japan side of the women's tournament? Um, yeah, so I have not seen the full side of the Japanese side of it yet, so I need to reserve judgment on that. But what I will say is I've liked the U.S. side a lot so far. Like, I thought that uh, Riho and Serena D was good last night. And then I would say... Mo- Pretty much everything I've heard about the reviews on the Japanese side have all been really positive. So it's one of those things where, like, when I have a chance to catch up on that, I do have high expectations because it, it, I, I'm hearing really positive things. Um, Jordan says, all McFoley's, all McFoley's are great because of the passion in his, oh, all of his uh, promos, right, are great. Uh, he, can get, he can get passionately angry. Yeah, I mean, Mick, Mick Foley's promos have always been there. Like, that's never been the thing for him. Um, it's just the the danger in seeing a guy moving around back then the way that he was. But we don't need to, like, harp on that. But you all know what I mean. We, we've all seen it in, in sports and fighting and wrestling. We've all seen it where, you know, people hang on to Look, here's a perfect example. The Undertaker, you know? Every time I see The Undertaker wrestle, like... I have just an insane amount of respect for for him and what he's done in his career. But when you see him wrestle now, he just, you know, he looks like he's hurting. He can't move around like he used to. You know, you hear about the stories about him getting knocked out when he was wrestling Brock Lesnar, like basically concussed immediately and stuff. I mean, that's, you know, that's you got to call it a day when when you can't move and you're getting hurt when and you're you know stuff's happening that was not happening before and it's happening consistently now you got to get out. Happens in MMA a lot too. Guys who who hang on too long and then like they wind up getting not they were like great fight like look at BJ Penn one of the best fighters of all time, um, up until you know the last decade or so, and I think he's lost his last like seven fights in a row and most have been by knockout and most of these losses are to people he would have destroyed in his prime. It's just it's just sad to watch. Richard Thomas says, Riho and Thunder Rosa is going to rock as well. I agree. I think Thunder Rosa is probably the best in-ring uh, female wrestler that AEW, not under contract, but you know what I mean, that AEW uses at the moment. I think Thunder Rosa is probably the best in the ring of all their women. I think that Dr. Britt Baker is the most valuable of all of them at the moment, though. I think I think Britt Baker is going to win the entire tournament, and then I think Britt Baker will also defeat... Um, I think Britt Baker will defeat Sheeta for the title, is my prediction. Because I think she's super marketable. Uh, she's very good in the ring. She's a good character. Like She's the most over woman, I think, in the company as far as like as far as far from a fan perspective. So that's kind of my predictions for the women's tournament is, is Britt Baker winning the whole thing and then defeating Sheeta for the belt. 
Jordan Lasseter says, hey, Steven, I'm going to get going. Take care. Jordan, thanks for dropping in for a few. I appreciate it, man. Uh, always good to see you. Hope to see you again soon. Have a great day. All right, I'm caught up on the chat right now. And uh, <clears throat> like I was saying before, because I know people kind of come and go and trickle in, Super Chats and donations ensure that I will talk about anything you want me to, um, but I'm going to keep going on through AEW right now. Uh, if you have any opinions or thoughts or questions or anything along the way, feel free to shoot them to me with uh, the Super Chat link or the donation links in the description. But uh, but yeah, so that first match, like I was saying, Matt Hardy, Hangman Page, basically just more build to their match at Revolution. And my prediction, an early prediction for that match... I feel like Hangman Page can't take losses right now, but it depends on the character and the story they're really going for. Because I think the the I've talked about it a lot. I think the big story, the long term story, is Hangman Page defeating Kenny Omega to win the AEW Heavyweight Title. But it's gonna be like a year from now. So what do you do with Hangman for the next year to build towards that? Well, I think first you had him. You have him hit his rock bottom. Um, not the rock's finishing move, but you know what I mean. Uh, you have him losing matches. You have him down in the dumps, and they've really teased this thing with the Dark Order to the point where, like, I really wouldn't mind him joining at this point. There's a lot of ways they can go with a lot of this stuff, so it's it's going to be. There's a lot of directions, but my prediction is that Matt Hardy is going to beat Hangman Page. And that's going to be like his Hangman's low point because it's like you're not getting paid. All your money's going to Matt Hardy. You drink more and more because like things are getting even worse for you. And now because you're a loser and you're down and out, now you actually do join the Dark Order. And then maybe because of his alliance with the Dark Order is what actually starts the climb for Hangman. And then like you know, a few months later, he, he gets that win back from Matt Hardy and like he gets his money back or something. And then he goes on to, you know, beat this contender and that contender. And then like, you know, a year comes around, Kenny Omega has gone out and collected belts. He's gone out. He's the AEW champion. He's still the AAA mega champion. He's uh, the possibly the Impact Wrestling champion, possibly the NWA champion, possibly the IWGP heavyweight champion. Cause I've, I've fully expect them to do Omega versus Ibushi at some point. Um, so like, let's say Omega goes out there and collects some belts. And at that point, it looks like there's no one who can stop him. No one's kicked out of the one winged angel, blah, blah, blah. Hangman gets his big shot at redemption. He kicks out of the one winged angel and beats Kenny Omega for that title as like, as a humongous moment for AEW. That would be like my ideal situation probably. So because of that, I'm going to say he loses to Matt Hardy uh, actually does join Dark Order. And I, I mean, I could also see Lance Hoyt, and, or uh, Lance Archer rather, he used to be called Lance Hoyt, uh, Lance Archer and uh, Jake the Snake possibly joining Dark Order as well because they've kind of hinted at that. But once again, there's there's just, there's so many, um, so many directions that can go with all this stuff. And I fully believe in, <coughs> believe in AEW's booking. So we'll just wind up seeing where it goes. After that, we talked about this a little bit already. Serena Deeb versus Riho. I thought this match was really good. Really, really well done. Uh, it's a tough one because, personally speaking, I like Serena Deeb better. But I think Riho is very good. So it's this was a tough one. Uh, this was one where, like, this could have been the finals. And I would have been fine with it. But we got it in the first round. 
Uh, but once again, it was a really good match. And I'm not upset with Riho winning by any stretch of the imagination. Riho is one of the top uh, female talents on AEW, former champ, first ever champion. I've got her action figure, as a matter of fact. I mean, I, I like Riho. Uh, but they got to figure out what to do with Serena Deeb going forward. Because, you know, she's right up there with Thunder Rosa for me as one of the best female talents that AEW has. Um, whether she's under contract or not, that, that they use. And it's kind of... Ironic's not the right word, but, you know, they're both from the National Wrestling Alliance, you know? And that's part of this whole uh, this whole forbidden door thing that people are kind of, I think, forgetting is the National Wrestling Alliance is involved in this as well. And I totally think Ring of Honor is going to get involved, and it sounds like MLW is going to get involved. All this stuff that I've been saying, y'all, whether you listen right here, you listen uh, to the audio on the Fight Talk podcast stream, or if you listen to the Fightful Select Weekender podcast, which you do every Sunday for Fightful, um, I, these are all things I'm constantly talking about, and a lot of this stuff it, it seems to be happening. So, I, uh, I'm, I think that I think there's a lot of great stuff uh, in in store for the future of the women's division in AEW. It's just taking a little time, but I think I, I think it's getting there. Um, after that, we had, uh, oh yeah, just a video package. At some point in the night, I don't want to miss it, but it, it just reminded me, um, you know, Cody and Brandy uh, did a gender reveal during the show. And they're going to be having a baby girl, so congratulations to them. I'm obviously a huge fan of Cody, and um, I definitely support his family, and I'm uh, I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, who she becomes because she's got two, uh, two awesome parents already, you know what I mean? So... Really cool to see, uh, you know, Cody and Brandy and what they got going on in their personal life. And then, of course, on March 3rd, they're hyping up Jane Cargill and Shaq taking on Red Velvet and Cody. So we'll talk more about that match the closer to that that it gets to March 3rd. After that, we have the segment that, you know, we might as well just talk about what people care about here the most. And it's Sting getting powerbombed by Brian Cage. So as this was happening, I watched I watched Dynamite with a friend of mine, this dude Mike. <coughs> I've known him since like high school. Comes over on Wednesdays to watch AEW. And as this was happening, I almost like it almost didn't connect how massive what was happening was because you know, Team Taz comes out and they're kind of attacking Sting, and I'm thinking to myself, like, okay, Sting's finally got you know, Sting has been getting over on Team Taz this whole time. Team Taz finally getting revenge. And then I see Brian Cage put Sting in like the powerbomb position, like head between the legs before he picked him up. And I was like, oh, oh, wait a second. And it kind of reminded and, and you know, of course he powerbombed him, just hit him with a powerbomb. It kind of reminded me of when Daniel Bryan came back. For those of you who remember, when he got cleared and announced it, Kevin Owens came out and gave him a um, he like beat the hell out of him, if I remember correctly, and gave him a a, a power bomb onto the ring apron, and everyone freaked out. They're like, "Why would you do that to Daniel Bryan?" Like, you know, it's like, but if he's healed, he's healed. If he's back, he's back. And Sting took that power bomb, and the internet exploded. And like I said at the at the beginning of the show, when some people were, were asking about it, I I have no problem with it at all. You know, if Sting gets hurt out there, I'll feel really, really bad. But if he feels like he can go, if doctors say he can go, if me- if modern medicine has advanced to the level to where he, you know, he hasn't wrestled for like six years or whatever, 
if he's if he's healthy and he feels like he can go and his cardio is there and he's and he can do it, I got no problem. And that was a really good sign yesterday seeing him take that power bomb from Brian Cage. He can go out there and take some bumps, which is always going to really have to do. I mean, that's that's the thing that I think people also don't. I know wrestling's evolved and changed a lot over the years, and the current in-ring style I I prefer to you know the old school stuff. I, I like the athleticism in today's wrestling, but. I'm telling y'all, if if y'all went back and watched, and regardless of things in their personal lives and what you think about them on a personal level, if you were to go back and watch The Ultimate Warrior versus Hulk Hogan from WrestleMania 6 right now, that is the most basic match ever. Like, it's like Hogan pushes Warrior, Warrior pushes Hogan back. Warrior does a scoop slam, then Hogan scoop slams him back. Warrior goes for a clothesline, and Hogan goes for a clothesline. Hogan goes for the light drop, Warrior goes for the splash. Like, it's like, there's nothing really happening. It's like hardly any moves. But the crowd is going insane because these two are so over. And that's kind of the thing with Sting. He doesn't have to do a lot. If he can take a couple bumps, make the other guys look good, he that's all he really has to do because his character is so established after all these years that he can do a few of his things and let Darby, <coughs> let Darby go out there and do what he does. And then, of course, you know, Ricky Starks and Brian Cage are going to look at, are going to make everyone look like a thousand bucks. Like, I think this is going to work real well. I'm, I'm very excited for, for Sting's return. I'm going to be totally honest. And, and here's the thing. If, if Sting can't go, we'll know really quickly and AEW isn't going to force it. If, if, if he goes, if he goes out there and he looks bad, I, I don't, I don't know why AEW would, would keep going with it. Cause here's the thing. If he goes in there and let's, let's say Sting goes out there and he just sucks and it's just bad and he looks hurt and it just was a bad idea. You've still got Sting to be there as like a manager mentor for Dar- slash mentor, you know, for Darby. You've got him there helping the talent in the back. Just these guys being able to, you know, share, you know, a backstage area and like with, with Sting and stuff is like, that's good. There's so much benefit to having a guy like that on your roster. So I'm looking forward to it a lot. Um, oh, after that, we had Kenny Omega. He was doing a, um, he was basically doing like a, uh, what do you call it? When you go to a school, you're like the you're like a public speaker. Like he was up there in front of a classroom, uh, reading the Young Bucks book to a, a class of I don't know how old these kids were like third graders or something. I'm really not sure. Or kindergarten class, it says here on the notes. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So I uh, I thought this was hilarious. I think the two best characters in wrestling right now, and my buddy Doug tweeted it and I retweeted it last night. The two best wrestling characters in the world right now are Roman Reigns and Kenny Omega. I And I can say that definitively. I think they're easily the two best characters in all of wrestling right now. I think what Kenny Omega is doing is gold. I, I am a humongous fan of what he's doing. I've always been a big fan of him in the ring. Him as a baby face always annoyed me. Like, I thought he was overly goofy. Uh, it, his stuff on being the elite was, like, cringe to me a lot of the time. But this character, the heel who's cringy, who is now dressing like he's above everybody and listening to this, to Don Callis, who's like, clearly you know storyline wise he's like clearly a jabroni who is like ruining his relationships with the rest of his friends and he has and he has the the vested interest in the good brothers because you know he runs impact wrestling and the good brothers are his guys and it's all these layers to it and i think it may i i love the current kenny omega character 
Absolutely love it. And we'll talk about him a little bit more towards the end of the show. Um, After that, you know, another great show you know, showing between uh, the Young Bucks and Santana and Ortiz. These two are, these two teams are always going to have good matches against each other. Um, I'll, I'll mention though that like, so Brian Alvarez and Dave Meltzer were talking about this on their show last week and they brought up a very good point. And I'm going to, I'm going to pair it what they were saying because I think that y'all will uh, y'all will probably agree. This whole thing makes like no sense when you think about it. Now, these teams are always going to be good teams against each other. I don't I don't mind the match on like that level, but they brought up these great points. Like weeks back, we had MJF and Jericho versus Santana and Ortiz versus Sammy Guevara and Jake Hager. And the caveat to that match was the winner of that match. That team was the tag team representatives for the inner circle. Okay, so that happens. MJF and Jericho win. The next week, or within the next week or two, they do the Battle Royal where the Young Bucks are in it. And if they win, they get to choose their opponents for Revolution, which they made pretty clear they would have chose the Good Brothers. So they have this match. The Young Bucks don't wind up winning. Um, and all three of the Inner Circle teams are in it. Even though they've just decided on their one representative team, all the teams are in it for some reason. So that happens. The Young Bucks get mad about how the Battle Royal went, and they just pick Santana and Ortiz for this title shot. So what was the point of all that other stuff? Like, if they could just pick Santana and Ortiz for a title shot... Why didn't they just pick the Good Brothers for a title shot? Like, you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Like, for y'all in the chat, that makes sense what I'm saying, right? Like, like if the Young Bucks, because that's what they did on the show. The Young Bucks just decided, they're like, hey, we got beef with Santana Ortiz right now. We're going to let, we're going to give them a title shot next week on Dynamite. And it's like, wait, but before you needed to win a whole battle royal to decide who you were going to choose and if you're just going to choose someone and you want to choose the Good Brothers, why didn't you just choose the Good Brothers? So, like, lo- logically, just none of this makes any sense. At the end of the day, though, MJF and Jericho were getting their title shot against the Young Bucks at Revolution. And this match helped further that story. I get that side of it. But logically speaking, if the Young Bucks could have choose the whole time and they want to wrestle the Good Brothers, just choose the Good Brothers and wrestle them. It just didn't make any sense how they, how they went about doing all this. Um, that was after that we had the gender reveal, which I've already talked about a little bit. Once again, congrats, congratulations to Cody and Brandy, new little baby girl coming to the world. We had Cash Wheeler and Dax Harwood FTR taking on the team of Matt and Mike Seidel. And I'm just gonna say it, y'all. Um, y'all, I mean, I'm not gonna harp on it too much. Y'all saw Mike Seidel botch that move off the top rope last night, right? And when that happened, all I could think about was how Matt Seidel botched the Shooting Star Press in his AW debut. Uh, the two of them, I'm not going to say they haven't been impressive because all the stuff that they do is like, I can't do any of that stuff. I, I never would be able to ever, right? Like, But my my thing is, I think they're both probably better off in this tag team because I don't think they're going to do much as singles guys in AEW. But at the same time, like they got an uphill battle, I think. You know, Matt Seidel has been a big name uh, for a long time, but kind of the issue with him at the moment is that the sport or the, you know, the sport entertainment or whatever you want to call it of pro wrestling has evolved 
to the point where, you know, back when Matt Seidel was hitting shooting star presses, that looked like, you know, these incredible shooting star presses, which they were. Um, that was really, really, really impressive. But now, everyone can do a shooting star press. You know what I mean? Like, it's just one of those things where, like, the things that made him really, like, impressive in comparison to everybody else is stuff that, like, pretty much just everybody does now. So, he's got to figure something out. Um, and, and I think that Matt and Mike Seidel as a tag team, I think it can work. But the tag team division for AEW is so insanely stacked that, like, it's going to take a long time for them to, to climb that ladder. So on the flip side, FTR, you know, them winning makes total sense. Um, FTR should really be winning pretty much all of their matches outside of maybe when they wrestled the Young Bucks. Um, I'm, I'm, okay, I'm okay with them losing to um, Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus if that's, um, if they wind up doing that as a straight up tag team match. But they did announce that they're going to be doing a, three or a six-man match where it's going to be Wheeler Harwood and Tolly Blanchard is going to be coming back and wrestling, which once again, nobody can sit here and tell me Sting shouldn't be out there taking power bombs if Tolly Blanchard is about to be in a wrestling match. Granted, he probably won't take any bumps. He probably won't do a whole lot of anything. He'll probably go out there. And by the way, the other side of the match is Jungle Boy Luchasaurus and Marco Stunt. I'd imagine <coughs> most of what Tolly will do will probably be with Marco, with Marco is my guess. Um, but... You know, we'll see what happens there. Because I'd like to see Jurassic Express get the win over those three. Especially if Tolly's going to be in the match. But eventually I feel like they're going to do Harwood and Wheeler versus Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy. And if they do that match, I feel like Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus need to win. Because they would be great contenders against the Young Bucks. And I don't think that they would beat the Young Bucks necessarily. But I think they would be great contenders for the titles. And if they don't get the belts, that gives Jungle Boy a little more reason to not not necessarily split from Luchasaurus and Marco, but I could see Jungle Boy kind of going out on his own a little bit more as a singles guy, and you know potentially maybe challenging for the TNT title. Like I think Jungle Boy versus Darby Allen for the TNT title at a pay per view would be fire. After that, we had the main event of the show: Eddie Kingston, the Butcher and the Blade, taking on. John Moxley, Lance Archer, and Ray Phoenix. Um, you know, this was a lot of fun. A lot of great talent in this match. The only gripe I have with it at all is that Eddie Kingston loses too much. And when you have a match like this, you know, for instance, Moxley could have pinned the blade, and I wouldn't have thought anything more of it. But him pinning Kingston, Kingston's so good on the mic, and he's been around for so long, and he has so much credibility. And he's still damn good in the ring. The things that he does, he's very, very good at. Um, and he could be used as a bigger asset, I think, to the company. The only thing with him is, like, he kind of got those big pushes right off the bat. Like, he came in and wrestled for the TNT title, couldn't get the job done. Wrestled for the world title on two different occasions and lost both times to Moxley. Um, his only real big win on AEW is him beating Lance Archer, but he needed brass knuckles to get the job done in that one. When they rematched, Archer beat him straight up. So they need to figure out a way of making Kingston look like a bigger deal, unless the plan is for him to be more of a manager and him not to be in the ring as much, which I could also potentially see happening. Um, because he's another guy who Eddie Kingston, if he just, if he stayed with AEW, you know, if he was a lifer for AEW, as far as like 
came in and wrestled every now and then, but he was a guy that people could get advice from, a guy who could help work on people's promos and that kind of stuff, character work. Eddie Kingston would be a huge asset for that locker room, you know, for decades to come. And, you know, on the other side, like I said, Moxley, it makes sense for Moxley to get the win because, you know, he's got that big match coming up with Kenta for the IWGP US title. And then they, we'll just talk about it now, you know, the end of the show, the Good Brothers come out and attack Moxley. That leads to um, Kenny Omega coming out, and they basically beat him down, and Kenny Omega announces that at Revolution, they are going to be having an exploding barbed wire deathmatch, which is a shout-out to FMW from back in the day. I mean, in kind of wrestling society, as I mentioned them earlier on the show, kind of a tongue-in-cheek in a way as well, but... Let me know what y'all think about this in the chat. I think a lot of people are really excited. Um, People know I'm not the biggest Deathmatch Wrestling fan, but when it makes sense and when it's done, when it's done in a way that doesn't cross like certain lines, I really enjoy it. Like I thought that, um, I thought that Omega versus Moxley in their Lights Out match, I thought that was really good. I liked uh, the stuff with uh, Omega, like the kind of Deathmatch type stuff, or sorry, with uh, Janela. You know, there's there's a lot of stuff that I really like um, about Deathmatch Wrestling. The stuff that throws me off about it, and, and once again, I'm somebody who watches a lot of independent wrestling, so there are plenty of shows that I'm watching because I want to cover them uh, for Fightful. And I'm watching the show, and there's people with, like, wooden mute skewers literally hanging out of their heads. And there's, like, they use the, uh, I think they call them gosset. Uh, I can't remember what you call it. They're, they're these things that you, you use to, like, to like repair bridges, uh, like gossip patches or something like that. They're, they have like, they're, they're like these really sharp blocks and like, they'll, they'll pop them into people's heads and pop them into people's arms and stuff. Like sometimes it's just, it's just too much for me. I just like, I, it's hard for me to look at, but barbed wire, I'm pretty numb to thumbtacks. I'm pretty numb to exploding barbed wire. Sounds like fun. I haven't seen anything like that once again, since like the FMW days, or to like a more funny extent, the uh, the Wrestling Society X days, because like Wrestling Society X, I remember they had like like a Barracuda tank match once, and they had some sort of like exploding coffin match or something like. But when you're not keep counting that stuff, you know FMW is really like the last time I think about these kind of things. So I'm looking forward to it though. I think it's going to be really good, and uh, and I'm pumped up. I mean, I, I think that. John Moxley needs to lose this one. I think Omega needs to retain. Uh, but but with it being the stipulation, they can have it to where it looks like Moxley's going to get the win, but because there's no rules, something wild happens that costs Moxley the match and sets up Moxley's next big feud but keeps the belt with Omega. Um, because once again, I think Kenny Omega needs to be the... Uh, he needs to be the, the AEW champion for the next like year minimum. I feel the same way about Roman Reigns over the WWE. Like They need to be long-term champions with a long-term story and the right person needs to be built to win those titles eventually on the WWE side <clears throat> I don't know who that person is I have no idea but on the AEW side like I said, or, said earlier in the show I think Hangman Page needs to be that guy so um, but once again we're talking like a year from now a lot of things are going to happen in that year um, so yeah if there's anything else y'all want me to talk about feel free I'm going to pull up everyone's uh I'm going to pull up the chat box right now uh, here on the screen, so 
I'm gonna kind of kick it here for a few minutes. If y'all have any super chats or donations, of course, I will make sure to address those and uh, give you your money's worth by answering your question or reading out your comment or statement, any of that good stuff. If there's anything that you missed about my AEW review, because I know people kind of come in and trickle in and out and stuff, um, the full audio version will be available on my Fight Talk podcast feed tomorrow. So feel free to subscribe. It's totally free to subscribe um, over on iTunes slash Apple Podcasts. You can also uh, follow for free on Spotify, and you'll hear the full audio of all these episodes the day after they air here on YouTube. And then, uh, uh, sorry, I'm pulling up my sponsor page right now so that I can uh, tell you all about the great sponsors of the show before we get out of here. But uh, but once again, feel free. If you all have any questions, comments, statements, anything at all, um, you know, whether it's a super chat or not, I'll address it because we're just kind of chilling right now. But obviously the super chats and donations are very, very, very much appreciated. Let's see what we got here. I see a question from Kogan. I'll, I'll address that here in just a second, but I'm just getting my, uh, forgot what I was uh, pulling up. Here we go. And then I've also got a live read for one of the sponsors today. Got some more questions in here. Awesome. Thanks guys. Let's see what we got. Uh, Kogan Spory says, <clears throat> I'm very cur- I'm very curious to see how this match goes. I doubt it'll be the ultra-violent stuff like those Japanese death matches, but maybe they can break the mold a little bit. Yeah, I think so. And I think that's a big reason they're doing it on pay-per-view too, Kogan, because, you know, there's, there's definitely lines you don't want to cross on TNT. But with it being pay-per-view, people, you know, know what they're buying. And, you know, I'm... I'm, I'm optimistically curious like i said i watch a lot i watch a lot more deathmatch wrestling than the average person does because of all the shows that i that i cover for fightful but it isn't necessarily my cup of tea deathmatch wrestling but once again if we're talking barbed wire thumbtacks fire um some explosions here or there no problem but when people start taking thumbtacks like to the bare feet and that kind of stuff is when it's really hard for me to watch you know what i mean Kevin G says, hi guys, do you think there would be more viewers for wrestling without commercials? It spoils my concentration on the match. Um, that's a good question. As, to be honest, I, I think it would add to the show because back in the day, and I say the day, like for me, it's, you know, the early to mid nineties when I started watching wrestling, I could be wrong, but I feel like a lot of the wrestling I watched back then was like, there wasn't commercial breaks during the matches you know, maybe there were, and I just don't remember. I don't, I, I just remember, I don't think they I hardly ever cut to commercials during matches when I was growing up. It felt like now granted a lot of those matches were you know, like squash matches, so they didn't last very long, but, um, you know, what they would usually do on like the flip side of it is like WCW nitro would end. And then the, how the show would end. Cause like the, there was no internet to like know what happened it would be, you know, the NWO would be beating up Lex Luger in the middle of the ring. And then you'd hear, you know, oh, here comes the Giant. The Giant's coming out to save Lex Luger. We're going to be back next week. Tune into Monday Night Nitro to find out what happened. And you had to wait an entire week to find out what happened at the end of that show. Um, and that's all I could think about in school all week. I'd be sitting there not paying attention and just be like, what did the Giant do to the NWO? I, I cannot wait until Monday to see what happened. So those were, those were some fun days. Kogan says, what are your favorite Sting matches? That's a really tough question, man. Because um, he has like all those different eras. Um, 
the most anticipated match was Hogan versus Sting at Starcade '97, but the finish sucked. So I don't know if I can count that, but that's the most hyped up I think I've ever been for a Sting match was because for those of you who might not remember, the story was that the NWO had recruited Sting. That's what everybody thought. Uh, And Sting started attacking WCW wrestlers. And Sting kept saying that he wasn't doing that. And nobody believed him. Even his own good friends, like Lex Luger, his tag team partner, didn't believe it. They they thought that Sting had turned to the dark side and joined the NWO. We come to find out, eventually, that that was actually an imposter Sting. uh, Which everyone now calls NWO Sting, Jeff Farmer. And... That was an amazing story because Sting didn't talk for like an entire year. He lurked up in the rafters. He went from the colorful face paint to the black and white face paint. He changed up his character and he did all this awesome stuff. And that build to, to Starcade 97 against Hogan, you know, Hogan carrying that world title, the you know, spray painted in NWO and Sting coming to, to avenge WCW. That was an incredible long-term story. And then the match happened and Bret Hart was the special referee because they had just signed him over from WWF. But, like, Bret Hart did not be, need to be involved in this. I love Bret Hart, but, like, it just didn't make sense. Um, they did this weird thing where Hogan pinned Sting for three. And it was just a it was a totally normal ten, uh, three count. But they tried to play it off like the referee had counted fast, but he definitely didn't. And then they restarted the match. And then it was like... And then Sting won, and it was just it was just so convoluted. They could have just went in there, had them have a decent match with a normal referee. Sting wins with the Scorpion Death Drop, or makes or makes him tap out to the Deathlock. Boom! That's that's all that needed to be accomplished at the end of the day for that match. And they they just convoluted the hell out of it. So that's the most memorable Sting match for me, probably. Um. I'm trying to think. I mean, he had really good matches with Ric Flair, uh, especially the ones that he had with him when he was still doing like the colored, what people call surfer sting, even though um, it's kind of a hashtag on a, on Twitter, but it's kind of a conspiracy theory because there's no evidence that Sting has ever actually surfed, which is kind of funny. But, uh, you know, he had good stuff then. I always liked whenever Sting was in the ring with, uh, with the Steiner brothers. I've loved the Steiner brothers and I always thought that whether they were, whether he was teaming with those guys or he was, you know, on the opposite ring of those guys, I always enjoyed that kind of stuff. I liked Sting stuff in TNA that I talked about. He actually had good, good matches with guys like AJ Styles, Kurt Angle, you know, like Samoa Joe. I mean, so <clears throat> I'd be sitting here all day if I was just sitting here talking about all, you know, good Sting's ma- Sting's good matches, and of course, you know, the the final WCW Nitro, the last match WCW ever had, Sting versus Ric Flair wasn't a good match but it's a memorable moment for me as a as a sting fan and as a you know i was a diehard wcw fan like i know i'm in the minority with that but i I talk about it all the time and people a lot of the time people seem surprised but like when i was growing up it was all about wcw for me and i eventually got more and more into wwf because wcw got really bad towards the end and it was right around the time that like like DX was great. I love Shawn Michaels, so like I was I was always paying attention to what Shawn was doing. And then Steve Austin started his his big blow up, and it was like, oh, I got to be paying attention to what's going on over here. 
So, you know, I, I still kept tabs on both shows throughout the Monday Night Wars and all that stuff. But, um, but if you were to ask me what's my favorite wrestling promotion ever, I'd say WCW still to this day. Um, AEW will, will quickly become that. It, I could already, I mean, I love AEW and I'm going to be a diehard AEW fan as long as they're around, no matter what they do. Um, and then there's a independent company that I hold near and dear to my heart called Southern Underground Pro, also known as SUP or SUP Graps. They're my favorite indie promotion in the world. They run out of Nashville, Tennessee. So uh, it's a little, uh, little backstory, a little insight into my fandom there. Any other questions that you'll have? I'm uh, cool to kick it here for a little bit longer. I've been going uh, right around an hour today, so that's uh, pretty perfect. Um, let's see if y'all have any other questions, I'll, <clears throat> I'll pull them up here on the stream. I'm going to talk about my sponsors real quick. And then, uh, if there's any questions that are left, especially if it's a super chatter donation, I'll make sure to address that stuff, uh, you know, before I get off the air today. Um, as far as the sponsors, I just want to tell y'all real quick about WrestleRumble.com because speaking of AEW for $1 right now, this is no joke, $1. Someone's going to win five AEW, AEW replica title belts for $1. They are doing a Revolution belt giveaway. You're going to get an AEW world title, a TNT title, both sets of tag team titles, and the FTW championship. $1, y'all. No joke. So enter that contest. Literally thousands of dollars worth of prize right there. And then, of course, if you're a WWE fan, Elimination Chamber coming up this Sunday Enter right now. One entry for 10 bucks, three entries for 20 bucks, five entries for 30 bucks. First place in their pick'em contest for Elimination Chamber is $1,000 cash. One zero zero zero, one thousand dollars Second and third are both getting 100 bucks. Jump on WrestleRumble.com right now. Join the contest. Stay up to date with all their stuff at WrestleRumble on Twitter. Shout out to Music City Toys and Collectibles. Big announcement here. I will be in the house on May the 1st in Nashville, Tennessee. For the grand opening of the brick and mortar Music City Toys and uh, Collectibles location, uh, they're they're big. Uh, they're opening a location in Nashville, and I'm going to be there live. They have a really big guest that will be in the house, and I'm going to be interviewing him. He's I don't want to spoil it because they haven't announced it yet, but he is somebody who is very prominent in the world of mixed martial arts and in the world of professional wrestling. So I'm very very happy to be able to talk to him and get a uh, an action figure autograph by him. Um, so let me tell you about my friends over there at Music City Toys and Collectibles. Founded in 2002, formerly known as Heroes and Legends, Music City Toys and Collectibles is your southern fried source for vintage and modern toys, autograph memorabilia, and all things pop culture. Visit their new retail location opening May 1st, that's what I'm talking about, at 101 Main Street in Waterton, Tennessee. And that's in Nashville for those of you who want relation, Waterton, Nashville. Keep up to date with all their special in-store signings, online sales, and convention appearances at musiccitytoys.biz and follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Music City Toys. So once again, y'all, nice people to give you fair business. Check them out. Music, Music City Toys and Collectibles. They are absolutely awesome. And last but never least, shout out to my brother Brian Jensen. Shoot him a follow on Instagram at BoxingATL, B-O-X-I-N-G-A-T-L. He is a owner of Steel Boxing and Athletics, a gym in Atlanta, Georgia. He works with Parkinson's Foundations. He can help you whether you're looking to compete in boxing, MMA, kickboxing, whatever. Or if you're just an everyday person who wants to learn some self-defense, wants to lose a little bit of weight, whatever it is. Maybe you have a neurological issue like Parkinson's and 
you're just looking to get some of your dexterity back, some of your range of motion back, stuff like that. Brian is certified in all these things. He can help you reach your goals. And the best way to reach out to him to get stuff done is to hit him up on Instagram at BoxingATL. He can meet you in person if you're anywhere near the Atlanta, Georgia area, or you can come to his gym. Or if you're anywhere in the world, he can help you over Skype or Zoom calls. He does He does it all. He helps people of all sizes, backgrounds, uh, everything. I mean, whatever your goals are for you personally, let Brian know and he will figure out a way to make those things happen for you. <clears throat> Excuse me. Once again, follow him on Instagram at BoxingATL, B-O-X-I-N-G-A-T-L. And just like with the rest of our sponsors, if you hit them up and say that you heard about them from me or from Jesse, I promise you get a really, really, really good deal. I'll talk about my uh, my personal stuff here at the end of the show, but let me pull up your questions again, y'all. Feel free to keep these coming. I'll, I'll keep answering questions until there's no more questions to answer, and then I'll sign off, all right? So next question we have here. And by the way, super. I know I sound like a broken record, but just because I know people come and go. <clears throat> super chats and donations, you get priority. So I will stop whatever I'm talking about and talk about what you want me to talk about with any super chat or donation amount. Kevin G says, I think AEW needs a pay-per-view every six weeks to keep the product in the conversation. Kevin, I, I agree and disagree. I wouldn't mind it because I'm a huge fan of AEW, but a few things there. Pay-per-view, that gets costly, right? Like with, with the UFC... Their pay-per-views cost like 75 bucks at this point, and they have one every month, and not every month, you know, do I want to pay 75 bucks? Some of the shows are seem like they're worth it. For AEW, I'm such a fan that I'd buy all of them, and it would it would hurt my pocketbook. It would hurt my bank account, I should say, pocketbook. Uh, it would hurt my bank account uh, to have uh, pay-per-views more often. Now, if they lowered the price, that's a different story. And, you know, I think AEW shows are, what, like 50 bucks, give or take? So there's they're still on the expensive side, but you do get your money's worth off their pay-per-views. I'm not, I'm not complaining about their price point, but I kind of like that they that they space them out because then it's a little less off than I need to shell out $50, you know what I mean? But, uh, <clears throat> and also for me, um, they're always in the conversation, like, because they're my favorite mainstream wrestling company, so... Uh, but I do, I do, I do understand what you're saying, though, Kevin. Uh, you'd like you'd like more regular pay per views because it is more for the wrestling uh, community to talk about on a more regular basis. I, I get what you're saying, bro. Welcome to the chat, bro. Uh, says, which way does the women's tournament go? Does Riho go over Rosa and set up Britt versus Riho, or do we get Britt versus Rosa again? Both good options. I'm going to. I'm going to say we get Brit versus Riho. But I said earlier in the show, and I'll, I'll repeat, was I think that Brit will win the whole tournament, and I think Brit will beat Cheetah for the title. So I think ultimately, kind of regardless of how the tournament itself plays out match by match, Issa's um, <laughs> making fun of, yeah, pocketbook. Isn't that what, like, someone's grandmother would say? Like, like a little pocketbook. I, I know. I know. I've heard that somewhere. It, probably my grandmother saying it. Um, my small, my small, amazing little North Dakotan grandmother. Um, but yeah, like I said, for the women's tournament, as as long as Britt wins the tournament and then beats Sheeta for the belt, I think that's I think that's really the the best move that AEW can make right now, especially because you're going to have the uh, the overlap 
of the women in impact and potentially other companies. And that's inevitable. And if Britt Baker is the AEW women's champion, I think it just makes for better stories and potential, not necessarily better matches. Cause, cause she does very good in the ring, but like, I think there's going to be more interest in Britt Baker versus someone like Jordan Grace or Britt Baker versus Gianna Perrazzo uh, than it would be with Sheeta against them. Once again, they'd be good matches, but the stories and the interest, I think, would be elevated to another level because I think Britt Baker is more over than the rest of the AEW women. I think she's still great in the ring. Uh, she has a great look. I mean, the her whole presentation and and the fans are always talking about her. She's all she's always in the conversation. So I think Britt Baker is the best representative to be the AEW Women's Champion right now. And I once again, I think it'd make a lot of sense if and when these women from Impact start showing up. Um, I think it just makes for better stories. Let's see. Uh, Kevin G says, "Can you see Marty Scroll and David Starr re? Oh, sorry, resurrecting." That's not how you spell the word resurrecting, but that's that's how it should be spelled. Um, their careers, or do you think they are blacklisted? That's a that's a tough one, man. And that's that's a the Marty Scroll situation in date the David Starr situation. I'm not as familiar with. Like I remember when it was all happening. The Marty Scroll stuff. It's hard for me to make a comment on this stuff um, for a lot of different reasons. Um, because a lot of it has to do with like what I think is morally right. And then another side of it has to do with what I think, you know, what is legally, you know, what is the law? And so, so it's like, there's a lot of layers to those situations. Um, as of right now, I think it's, it's a very, it would be difficult to hire either of them because you know, going into it, that it's going to be a PR nightmare. You know, it's just, so I, it, it's just, it's, it's a tough subject. I, and, and you could say, you could kind of say the same about like Tessa Blanchard, right? Like, you know, in my opinion, I think Tessa Blanchard is the best female wrestler in the entire world. I honestly, when you look at her talent level, I think she is the best female wrestler in the entire world, in any company. You could put, I'd say that her versus Charlotte, her versus Becky, um, you know, her versus Jordan Grace, Deanna, all the, like, I think, I think Tessa is the best of all of them. But there's that baggage there that I think people are hesitant to uh, to want to deal with. And there's also like there's also going to be multiple sides to all these stories, right? Like there's the stuff we've heard about. There's the stuff she may or may not have said. There's the stuff that Marty may or may not have done. There's his side of it. There's the the victim side of these things. And I just it's just you know I that's all I can really say about it. You know that's all I can really say. Um, it, I'll, I'll put it this way. It would not surprise me if we didn't see Marty Scroll ever again on a mainstream television show. It wouldn't surprise me. But at the same point, it, w- it also wouldn't surprise me to see him pop up somewhere. But when that happens, that company is, has to be ready for the, the backlash because there will be a lot of backlash. Um, Kogan Spory says, once we get crowds back, how do you think AEW will go about doing the war games match they advertised a year ago oh you're talking about the blood and guts match yeah i i think that they're just kind of hoping everyone forgot about that it's kind of how i feel i think they're kind of like just they've moved past it so much has changed since then you know the allegiances have changed certain people are in stables that they weren't before matt hardy's a totally different character i mean there's a lot of things that have changed about AEW since then 
Um, but I do think we'll eventually get that match. Like, we'll, like not it just it will be different participants. Um, and I think it'll go good. I think it'll go really well. You know, I, I, I mean, how cool is it that AEW is going to have a war game style match and the inventor of war games is Dusty Rhodes and his son, Cody, is going to be the one basically producing and putting together, you know, his own version of it with, with his company. I think that's just awesome. Um, Kevin G says, I know my spelling sucks. It does. Use the wrong version of there. You missed some words there, but hey, want to know a secret? My spelling sucks also. The only reason I catch certain things is because I do a lot of spell check because my actual spelling before I spell check stuff is terrible. When I was growing up, believe it or not, I went to a really, like, I, I lived in a good area. I went to a really good elementary school and middle school and high school and stuff. But they, they I'll never forget this. When I was growing up and we were learning to read and, and write and spell, I was of this, like, almost experimental age group when I was growing up where there was a solid, like, full year where they had us doing something called creative writing. I'll never forget this. They called it creative writing. And the teachers wouldn't correct our spelling. The, the idea, I guess, was, like, that you were sounding out words and spelling stuff how they sounded, and that was supposed to ultimately make you better at spelling. But what it did for me was I spelled all these words wrong when I was learning how to spell and like, so I still in my mind spell basic stuff wrong fairly often. You know, it's just like, thank God for the, for computers and, and spell check and all that stuff. Cause if I had to handwrite stuff and I couldn't just type it, I would be, I'd be unemployable probably. Um, so yeah, so that's, you're not alone. Spelling, spelling is tough sometimes, man. Um, Doug says, Bullet Club versus Bullet Club for Blood and Guts. Hell yeah. Welcome back, Doug. Shout out to Doug. Check out his channel. Hit you with the reel. Um, are we doing Saturday? Let me know soon, Doug. He He's out there in uh, in Texas, and he's... I've gotten some direct messages from him today. I know he's... Uh, he's trying to have a good, the best time he possibly can right now, but uh, I know things are not easy in that part of the world, that part of the country especially right now. People getting... People's pipes are bursting. People that don't have heat and water. It sounds like an absolute mess. So, um, but yeah, hopefully we can do a show on Saturday. But I totally understand if we can. Kogan says, uh, "Hey Doug, power back there in Texas." That's a question for Doug. Um, hopefully Doug sees that and answers. Speaking of Doug, y'all remember Doug on Nickelodeon? Shout out to Doug. Anyone else have any questions? Doug, you got any other questions? Anything else you want to say? I'll uh, I'll read it out. Doug says, man, I don't know. It's crazy over here. I'm hoping to get home tonight. Yeah, Doug's been like having to spend time. I don't I don't want to pull his messages up here on stream on accident, but like he was uh he's having to spend time with like a lot of family all kind of cooped up together during all this. Yeah, it just sounds like a mess. So for those of you listening, we me and Doug may be on his channel on Saturday, but if we're not, it's because obviously there's you know, he's got stuff going on that completely out of anyone's control. I love the Bullet Club versus Bullet Club blood and guts idea though, Doug. I think that's probably exactly what they'll do. Oh, look at that right there on the stream. Shout out to whatamaneuver.net. Check out the Fight Talk podcast merchandise. 
I have a link in the description if y'all wanna support the show. Any money that I make on any hoodies or t-shirts, I have multiple colors. Uh, I got two different designs on there. Anything that you spend on that site <clears throat> gets reinvested right back into this podcast. Um, the next move is I'm saving for a better camera. So I can have like this camera and a second camera, but the second camera will be much more high quality. And uh, there's just more I can do with that kind of stuff. So I'm looking to do that and possibly also uh, get some better audio equipment as well. So um, any money that you spend on whatamaneuver.net, the, the, once again, the link is in the description. Anything that you buy on there, just know that you're making the show better for yourselves as viewers and um, and, and as and listeners and stuff. Like I'm, I'm, I'm not selling this stuff to make a profit. I'm selling it because that's the best way for me to make extra money to put right back into this show, if that makes sense. Uh, Doug says, most people in Texas are getting their power back. Things are looking better. That's good, man. The stuff that you were texting me just sounded like a freaking mess. Brahman from the fifth floor says, now I got that Doug funny banging on a trash can song stuck in my head. Brahman from the fifth floor, welcome to the stream. And that is by the Beats. I remember that song. Banging on a trash can, drumming on a street light. Think big. Come on, come on, think big. They also have those other songs like Aiu Killer Tofu. E I Killer Tofu. And uh what was the other one? <clears throat> I need more lounge or lay. Why? Because I do. Yeah. Sit here. I want to talk about Nickelodeon. I'm all for it. Kevin G says, I would love to see Selena Del Renta, Selena Del Renta in AEW. She make a good TV manager. She's someone Brandy failed to be. Reminds me of Sensational Sherry. Yeah, the thing with Brandy is <laughs> I love the Rhodes family. I am openly biased towards the Rhodes family for many reasons, but everything Brandy has done on AEW television hasn't worked. And I talked about, I've talked about that a lot on my podcast. I don't want to sit here and like crap all over her right now. Like, especially right now, like I'm very happy she's pregnant and everything. Um, but, uh, but her on screen stuff has been bad. And yeah, any, anybody who can kind of play that role I'm for like anybody who can be a good manager for AEW, especially for some of the women for AEW, I'm, I'm definitely all for that. So any, any talent they can find that they think can, can do a good job and can get over. Um, I'm all for it. Paul OPC. Welcome to the chat. Paul says, I'm a dog. You're a dog. I don't know what that means. Is that a song? I remember, um, um, all that. What was it? Good Burger. I'm a dude. You're a dude. She's a dude. Cause we're all dudes. Yeah. Bro, man from the fifth floor says angry beavers. Yeah. That theme song was just instrumental. So I can't really sing that. Um, I do remember that show too. I remember all this stuff, man. I, I was a, I was a big time nineties kid. I was born in 88. So like I was born prime for like the Nicktoons and all that stuff you know the age that I was as a matter of fact here in my office one of I have like a few different Funko pop displays and in one of my displays I've got uh Arnold and Gerald from Hey Arnold uh Rocco Spunky and Heifer from Rocco's Modern Life and I've got a Reptar up there too from Rugrats so 
keeping keeping the uh, keeping the fandom alive a little bit. I don't I don't ever want to lose. Um, I don't ever want to lose that part about myself. You know, there's like that there's there's that piece of my childhood that like I don't feel like we all have to grow up completely from right. Like, who cares if I still every now and then want to go back and watch an old Harold episode like. It reminds me of great times in my life when I was a kid growing up. You know what I mean? Like, I love I, lo- I love that kind of stuff. Paul OPC says it's Pork Chop song on Doug. Oh, okay, I gotta rewatch that. I gotta I got I can't remember the song, but I remember a lot about Doug. A lot, a lot, a lot about that show. That taught me a lot about life back in the day, y'all. Like, cause I was like an elementary school kid and he was like a and Doug was like a middle schooler on TV. So when I was growing up, you know, I looked at shows like Doug, you know, shows like Saved by the Bell, stuff like that, where like I thought that's what like high school was gonna be like in middle school, but they taught me a lot of life lessons, you know. Saved by the Bell in hindsight was actually like a terrible show if you're considering if you've ever seen like the Zach Morris's trash videos on uh Funnier Die, that you'll know what I'm talking about. But, uh, but like, yeah, like Doug taught me a lot about like, cause he was always chasing after Patty mayonnaise and stuff, but he was like this nice guy and all this. And I just, I still remember like always thinking Doug was just like the, he was like the most average, just good dude. And yeah, I learned a lot from that show. Uh, Roman says, same Nicktoons, Xena, Hercules, Highlander. See, some of the stuff you're mentioning, I only saw because it would be on, like, before Nitro. Like, I'm pretty sure, like, Xena, Warrior Princess was on the same channel as Nitro on TNT. Or maybe it was on USA, the same channel as Raw. I just remember sometimes I'd see, same with Walker, Texas Ranger. I used to watch a lot of Walker, Texas Ranger, because it would usually be on right before, uh, wrestling, so... Kevin G says, do you like AAA wrestling, different ring, matte colors? I would like AEW to do it. Um, do you mean you like AEW to work with AAA? Because they already are to a degree because Kenny Omega is their champion. But um, for those of you, I talked about Pluto TV a little bit earlier on the show. There's actually a AAA channel on Pluto TV. So y'all check it out. I'm not endorsed or sponsored by Pluto, although I have reached out to them about it. Like I would love to get sponsored by them because I love their service. But Pluto TV is a free app and you can download it. And there's literally a 24 hours a day channel that just runs nothing but AAA wrestling. So, or AAA if you want to get technical about it. But uh, they have a AAA channel, they have a, a TNA channel, they have a Bellator MMA channel, they have a boxing channel, um, they got a ton of stuff. They have a Degrassi channel, they have a Nickelodeon channel. As a matter of fact, the shows that we're talking about right now are on Pluto TV. There have been nights where I'm just chilling, can't fall asleep, and I'm sitting there watching like, uh, what are some of the stuff I've watched lately? And, and by the way, a lot of the stuff doesn't hold up. The cartoons still hold up, but the, the live action stuff doesn't like all that is real cringe now, for instance. You know what I mean? Um, Keenan and Kel, pretty cringe now. But, you know, I've watched some Hey Arnold recently. Uh, watched, uh, I think, like, Rock is Modern Life on there pretty recently. Been some good stuff, man. Good days. Good times. Pluto TV. Great service. Broman says, I remember the theme from La Femme Nikita because of Raw. 
I don't remember that show. But I do remember... I do remember... Oh, my God. I bet you... I probably... Then we'll, we'll pretty much close the show on this. Unless I see more questions coming in. Um, <laughs> I still remember Walker, Texas Ranger. It was... Because the, the, intro, the intro to Walker, Texas Ranger... And that whole show, to me, is just the best. Because... For those of you who don't know, Walker, Texas Ranger, is the star of the show is is Chuck Norris. But Chuck Norris is also the guy who's, like, writing the show, probably producing, directing. Like, it's his show about him. And he makes himself just the most badass character ever. So, like, the intro to the show, I remember there was, like, this scene where there was a moving, like, there was a car trying to run him over, like, Steve Austin style back in the day, like, this car's coming right at Walker, Texas Ranger, and Chuck Norris just jumps up in the air and does a big sidekick, like, so the car's coming at him, and he just does a sidekick through the windshield, like, into the guy, and I remember that because, and the song was like, well, how did it go? It was like, when the eyes of the ranger are upon you. Something, 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 something. And then it was like, if you're in Texas, look behind you, because that's where the ranger's going to be. And it's just like a picture of like, just like zoomed in on like Chuck Norris's face. Like, that's where the ranger's going to be. Just like, oh shit. You don't not want him on a mess with Walker, Texas Ranger. Um, and that show, he just put himself over. That's all it was. And then I came to find out years later that there was a cartoon called, like, the Chuck Norris Adventures or something. It was, like, him in cartoon form doing the same thing, just kicking everybody's ass as a cartoon. So, shout out to Chuck Norris. I remember he was in some movie called, it was, like, the Karate Kid, but Karate Kid, but lamer. It was, like, I think it was called Sidekicks or something like that. People might remember that in the chat. Uh, Kevin G says, looks like a monster. Oh, sorry, Taurus looks like a monster. Or, sorry. Tarus, that's how you actually pronounce it. Tarus uh, looks like a monster. He'll be great in AEW. Yeah, I mean, he was a good, he was a very good addition to the to the Decay Stable and in, uh, in Impact Wrestling. I agree, hundred percent. Wouldn't mind seeing him in AEW, uh, but I think he needs to kind of reestablish himself on on Impact a little bit. But he's done a really good job of that with Decay so far. Kevin G says, "Do you like orange soda?" Kel loves orange soda. Is it true? I do, I do, I do. Ooh, yeah, I love orange soda. I don't drink it as as often anymore. Any anymore because uh, I just don't drink soda that often anymore. A few years back, I switched to seltzers, like seltzer water, carbonated carbonated water, basically. Um, like Lacroix is like probably the biggest brand, kind of like the Coca Cola. It would be like Lacroix, and I kind of did the same with uh with alcohol too. Like I switched years back to like Trulies and White Claws from beer predominantly and stuff i it makes me feel better i don't know don't feel as like weighed down when i when i'm not drinking soda and stuff but every now and then i'll drink a little bit of a, a little orange soda a little root beer something or other and because i don't drink soda anymore it's so sweet but it's so good Brumman says the cartoon sounds hilarious sounds like jackie chan adventures yeah yeah, yeah yes yes if you know about jackie chan adventures it's it's the same thing with chuck norris so yeah, y'all should y'all should check that out if you want a good laugh. And you know, it's hilarious because I remember when they were when Walker Texas Ranger was popular, it was on it was definitely either on USA or TNT, and I think it was TNT 
because I specifically remember an episode when Sting was on the show, and I think he I think he was a villain on Walker Texas Ranger, but it wasn't Sting like wearing the face paint and stuff. He just you know you knew it was him. And Shawn Michaels may have been on the show before too, and that's what's throwing me off on like who was where. Because also there was like that Pacific Blue show, I think is what it was called. And that was on, I think that was on USA. And like they'd have like Shawn Michaels on that and and stuff. I don't know. I just remember they used to try to like whatever shows wrestling was on. Because wrestling was so huge back then. We're talking, you know, late 90s when, you know, 10 million people are watching wrestling on Mondays. And all the all the shows kind of around wrestling would try to incorporate wrestlers when they could into those shows because those wrestlers were in those companies were so popular. So, so yeah, that'll probably do it for this episode, y'all. I appreciate y'all hanging out. It's been a lot of fun just kicking it and answering questions with everybody today. Let me uh, let me pull my Twitter page up if y'all want to shoot me a follow. This is uh this is what you want to do right here. That is not what I meant to do. Shout out to Brad Peterson. Brad Pedersen, rather. Um, he was on my show last week. Or, or earlier this week. My my days and everything are so screwed up right now. What I meant to do is pull this up. This is my Twitter. It's fighttalk underscore. F-I-G-H-T-T-A-L-K underscore. You can uh, follow me right there. And I try to keep all the work that I do updated right there on my Twitter account. So anytime I'm going live, I post links. I post all the audio links also right here. Uh, when I have a video come out for All Things MMA, check that out. You know, I do video editing for them. That's a YouTube channel called All Things MMA. Uh, got list videos over there, a lot of like top tens and that kind of stuff. Really great videos, great channel. And uh, and if you like mixed martial arts, I highly recommend it. So once again, that's All Things MMA. If you want to listen to my podcast every Sunday over at FightfulSelect.com, I record the Fightful Weekender podcast. I talk a ton of independent pro wrestling, but I also cover Impact, MLW, anything going on uh, in the world of pro wrestling, basically outside of like the most mainstream stuff. But I still also cover 205 Live and NXT UK on there. But no SmackDown, no Raw, no AEW Dynamite, no NXT on USA, but pretty much everything else I cover on the weekender. So check that out at FightfulSelect.com. You don't just get my show there, you get Alice Pulaski's Sour Graps, which I think is the the best podcast on all of the internet, not just on Fightful Select, but on all of the internet. He does the most entertaining one-man show in the world, in my opinion, when it comes to pro wrestling. So you get that. You get scoops, early early announcements, a whole bunch of stuff from Sean Ross Sapp. You got stuff from Jimmy Van. You got, I mean, just a ton of great content over there. And I'm on the $5 tier. So like you get a ton of stuff for five bucks. And uh, I think Alex's show alone is worth $5 a month. We'll put it that way. And you get you get all that other stuff that I just talked about along with it, including my podcast. So um, Broman says, thanks. Have a good day. Broman, thanks for checking out the stream, man. I'll probably be back on here tomorrow, y'all. So if you enjoyed this, I'll probably do the same thing. Uh, you know, there probably won't be any like specific wrestling show to talk about. So I might literally just pull the chat up like we did today and I'll just do questions and answers and super chats and donations will get priority. So um, so yeah, that's it. That's pretty much everything I got going on. You can also watch me every Tuesday on the Fightful Twitch channel. It's Fightful Gaming. So twitch.tv slash Fightful Gaming. Um, I'm on there every week with Joel Pearl and we do watch alongs for Impact Wrestling. And Jeremy Lambert will be there with us, I think, every other Tuesday. So you'll see a lot of Jeremy Lambert on there as well. And we just kick it. We just sit there and, and watch Impact with everybody. We have the actual Impact show on our stream. We're approved to, to show the show. 
So you see me on screen, you see Joel on screen, and anybody else who's there, like Jeremy or if there's any guests. And we're there on stream with you, reading the chat, interacting, talking to each other, just having a good time. And then I do a full review of those shows on the Fightful Select Weekender podcast. So check all that stuff out. I have my own Twitch channel too, twitch.tv slash fighttalk underscore. And this uh, this link tree here, if you if you click that, this actually will pull everything that I do up. Like you could even go to my YouTube work and yeah, I'm, I'm actually on Jesse's account right now. But uh, like all the stuff that I do, like you can see the videos I've edited for all things MMA, all the stuff that I did when I was with MMA on point, all the live chats are right there, all my fightful appearances, other stuff I've done all right there. So you can access all that, all my merchandise, everything through that link tree. And the link for my link tree is in the description below. So feel free to check that stuff out as well. Um, Kevin G says, idea for AEW pay-per-view wrestlers from Northern States versus wrestlers from Southern States, like Survivor Series, call it Civil War without Confederate flags. I mean, in in theory, I guess I kind of like the idea, but like, I don't know so much about the idea of kind of segregating different parts of the country against each other especially in today's day and age probably not the best idea but i uh i do like the idea of interpromotional warfare right like impact and AEW and ring of honor and mlw and new japan and and, uh nwa and all that stuff but i don't think we need to be uh dividing the country right now any more than it's already divided if, if you catch my drift 